Hey guys, this is the Real Life Monopoly Podcast. This is your co-host, Jeffrey Donis, alongside my partners and brothers, Kenneth and Kerwin Donis. We are real estate investors, and the point of our podcast is to help you reach your financial goals, which will allow you to have time to focus on your true passion so that you can live not only a happier, but more fulfilled life. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today we'll be having Mike and Ligia Deaton out of Colorado. They currently own a land wholesaling business, and they are looking to get into the multifamily space. On today's show, they pretty much cover how they plan on doing so, where they are in their current stages, and how they've been successful so far working as a couple. We really enjoyed having them on the show, and without further ado, let's get right to it. Thank you for tuning in with the Donis Brothers. This is your co-host, Jeffrey Donis, alongside my brother, Kerwin Donis. And today on the show, we'll be having Ligia and Mike. Do you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Yeah, sure. Uh, so like you just said, it's Legia and Mike Deaton. We uh, we live in Boulder, Colorado right now. Um, we moved up here about four years ago, three and a half years ago or so from Dallas. It was a great decision. So we got up here so we can enjoy the outdoors and the mountains and uh, 320 days of sunshine a year and uh, run our own business. So um, yeah, we're in real estate. We have a couple of a couple of businesses in that arena. We have one as a, a land business where we buy and sell raw land, basically. And then here in 2020, we got into multifamily investing and have been diving into that kind of uh, with both feet. So brief intro. Awesome. Do you mind kind of going into your background as to how you got into real estate? You mentioned that you pretty much started a land business. Do you mind kind of going into how you got into that and then how that transitioned into multifamily? Yeah, you bet. Um, Ligia and I kind of both, so Ligia's from Romania. We met uh, overseas when I was on awesome. a work contract over there. Uh, we've been back here in the States since 2010. Um, and I'd say we both followed a similar path in that it was kind of this normal uh, life path, right? Where you go to high school, you're supposed to get good grades, you get into a university, uh, you graduate, get a job, and, and work at a desk for forever until you retire while you... You know, meanwhile, your 401k is over here supposedly uh, saving up money and, and doing all that stuff. And um, I worked for uh, kind of some big uh, Fortune 50 companies for about 25 years. I was with Nokia Mobile Phones for um, about 15 years. I was with Microsoft, um, pretty much in operations and supply chain. And um, uh, it was a grind. You know, I mean, it's traveling um, two or three weeks out of the month. Uh, just, you know, you're working for someone else, uh, paying a lot of taxes, um, and, you know, it seems like there's not a lot of time, uh, for family or for kind of doing things you wanted to do. So in 2016, uh, life kind of opened up for us. Mm-hmm. We both, um, left our employers. Um, we had a little nest egg of money. Uh, we have two older daughters that left the house for their own journey. Uh, so we were empty nesters and we decided to kind of pull up stakes and just start the next chapter of our lives, you know, reinventing Mike and Lydia uh, 2.0. So we sold our, we had a big house in Dallas. We sold our house in Dallas. Um, and kind of what pulled us into real estate is really just a side hustle turned into our main hustle. We, we had invested in a little toolkit that, you know, was meant to be uh, a side hustle to buy and sell vacant land. Um, 
And because we've both been working, neither of us were doing it, you know. So once we were out of a job, we just said, let's give this a go, you know. And so. Yeah, we had that toolkit on the shelf for six months before we actually looked into it. <laughs> and we thought, well, we can just give it a go and see how it is. Yeah, we had it. We had the yeah. time. We had a little bit of money to invest. And so, um, yeah, we jumped in, just kind of went all in. Uh, we, we got some mentors to help us. And mm-hmm. uh, over the last couple of years, we've built it up into a, a really nice business. It, it's a cash cow. And so because of that, our tax bill started, you know, when you work for somebody, you don't necessarily see your taxes, right? They just right. kind of come out of your check. Maybe you get a refund. Uh, life is good. And then, but when you work for yourself, all of a sudden that tax bill comes and you're like, holy cow. <laughs> so, uh, we said, we got to figure out how to do something about this. And so we started revisiting, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad. Um, he has an advisor, um, Tom Wheelwright, who's his uh, CPA and he, you know, teaches tax free wealth and, um, there's other, you know, a few other books and, um, companies out there. And so we started getting interested into um, rental properties and things that depreciate that can offset uh, your your tax bill. Um, You know, so like Tom Wilwright preaches, he said, you know, the tax code is largely um, used to socially engineer the country. Right. So we want uh, as a as a society and as a government, they want people that provide jobs through small businesses or big businesses. And they want to provide good, affordable housing for people. And so they incentivize these things in that way. And so we started looking at single family rentals, uh, more residential type uh, commercial real estate duplexes. Uh, and the more research we did, uh, everybody was either getting out because it was really hard to scale. It took a long time. I think you guys are familiar with that to some degree. Um, or they were just jumping right in commercial real estate. Um, and, you know, of those, we kind of dialed into either storage or multifamily. And we spent a few weeks kind of trying to figure out what was the best uh, investment of the two. And nothing was really, you know, no, there wasn't this blinking light anywhere out there that said, this is the one. And so we just said, let's just go multifamily. We'll do it. And uh, there's nothing that says we can't do both down the road. And so we still have our eye on, you know, storage uh, or mobile home parks or, or things like that. But um, yeah, we decided to get into multifamily. We very much are of the mindset that great mentors can accelerate your learning and your growth. And so we started looking for, you know, who could be a good mentor for us. And we looked at a lot of the, the larger communities out there that, uh, provide this as a service or coaching or different things. And, um, after looking at quite a few of them, we, we found one we really liked and, uh, uh, the Think Multifamily Group um, and kind of joined that just for various reasons that it resonated with us. So, yeah, we've been, you know, we've spent this year a lot of education. And here the second half of last year, I would say we we started jumping into some deals. We had a little money to deploy. So we went in initially as passive investors, uh, which just to get a feel for how it works. We we partnered with some people as uh, general partners on a few deals. And this year, um, you know, one of our overarching goals is to source our own deal and be the lead sponsor on, on some of these. So it's kind of uh, go into your, uh, your first deal. Do you mind kind of just touching on that and uh, explaining whether that was on the passive side or if you were an active investor on that one, which deal I'm sorry. Yeah. Do you mind just touching in on your first deal that you ended up doing in the multifamily space? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, like I said, we, we kind of did some research. We jumped into the group and, and we're looking around and um, really it was just through the process of networking um, with operators. Uh, we started talking to people and let it be known that, you know, we had goals of uh, partnering with people, of um, investing in deals um, through earnest money and, and just through partnerships. And through that process, um, we met uh, a few operators that had just found a deal in Arkansas. They were actually working on two deals. They were trying to close out their first deal and fund a second deal. And so, you know, in that process, we, we came on board um, in their first deal. We were able to close out their raise as a passive investor. Uh, and that worked really well for us because we used our retirement account, which uh, is kind of restricted such that, you know, if you're using uh, retirement funds, you're not supposed to be an active partner in the deal. So we were able to go in and, and utilize that. And then we leveraged that into a general partnership on the second deal. Uh, and they're both there in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And um, yeah, it was great for many perspectives. I mean, we got a behind the scenes look. You understand uh, how does the investor communications work? Um, uh, on the general partner side of things, you know, we saw uh, raising earnest money, um, getting things to a closing, uh, any number of, of different issues come up, just like when you're closing with a house or whatever, right? There's always uh, a document scramble or, or different things. So, you know, we get to kind of see uh, how that works. Um, mm -hmm. know, there's also lessons learned. I mean, you see how different people handle different um, deals, right? There's there's things that we've picked up that we say, oh, when we have a deal, we really want to emulate their communication style or, um, you know, we, we probably would do this a little differently or something. So we're, we're busy taking notes on uh, what we're going to do when we get our uh, lead sponsor role. I've heard a lot of people mention that two of the best ways to learn is either, like you said, getting a mentor or just passively investing in a deal. And that way you get the kind of like the idea as to what a deal looks like. Um, and kind of going into how you chose your operators and what general partnership you were going to partner with, was there like some things that you did to vet the team and to see whether the deal or the team fit your criteria as to you know what you were looking for um, on an investment? That's a great question. <laughs> it is because it's a lot of money and uh, in a lot of cases uh, for, for most people and you're entering into uh, a partnership with people, right? So um Definitely for us, I would say there's there's maybe two or three phases. One is just the deal itself. And so, you know, a deal happens in a market. And so you want to understand, is that a market I believe in? And is it something where I feel, you know, there, it depends on the investor as well. Just like in anything, uh, there's people that are just crazy mad to go into Bitcoin because they, they love it. They believe in it, even though it's. You know, there's not a whole lot of uh, science behind it. It's a high risk, high reward type environment. And then there's others that want a very low risk, um, modest reward type of uh, investment. And so, you know, for us, we we like this value add style of multifamily investment where you know, there's a modest amount of risk, but you're largely in control of forcing the appreciation through um, renovations through uh, uh, driving other income and things like that. It's, it's a little more in your control than, than some other types of investments. And so, you know, first off was just a market. And, and honestly, in our first deal, this Fort Smith, Arkansas was, was an unknown market for us. So we spent some time 
um, learning and educating ourselves and understanding that, okay, there was a diverse employment base there. There has been good steady growth over the last 10 years. There's projections of growth and there's other companies moving there. Mm-hmm. And so we felt a little more comfortable right. um, with that as a deal. That, right, the numbers work for us. Also, the deal were, were written uh, underwritten very conservatively, mm-hmm. which kind of gave us the that um, safety that we needed. You know, like we felt safe because the, the numbers were not projected like very, they were not bubbled up, you know, they were yeah. written very conservatively. Yeah, that's a great, a great point as well. And, um, you know, so that's kind of one aspect. And then the other aspect is is the operators themselves, right? So in this deal, um, there were three partners that uh, had come together. Uh, it was a good mix from our perspective of people that had already closed on deals before. Um, one of the partners has construction background, and he's going to help with the asset management, making sure the renovations work on time. And, um, you know, others heavy on communications and other aspects of the deal. And mm-hmm. we met all the partners um, uh, in person and, and uh, through some virtual meetings and felt comfortable with their, their level as well as, you know, in a general partnership, there's, there's not just the lead and, and us, there's five, six, up to 10 other partners, right? So um, there was a good mix of people coming in to help on the deal. Um, they had a strong, uh, key partners that, have, you know, Mark Kenny, he's got thousands of doors of experience, uh, an ability to navigate any kind of turbulence that's going to come up. So that also, you know, gave us a really um, a good sense of confidence going into it. So, yeah, I mean, those kind of things played into it. And, uh, and then at the end of the day, I mean, I, I don't know, sometimes I can have a tendency to overthink things. Uh, and sometimes it's good to just, you know, you do... 70, 80% of the work and then say, okay, I feel good. We're going to go. And so that, that's kind of ultimately where we went. And so far, so good. That's awesome. And um, I'd love to hear it. And sorry. Um, so I was just curious. I mean, have you guys, if you guys have started reaching out to people to raise capital, what are, well, who's your target investor? I know uh, some people have different, uh, I guess, like uh, investor profiles or certain people that they like to appeal to. I'm just curious, I mean, do you guys have a certain demographic that you guys like to reach out to um, when you guys are inquiring about investments? Well, I think, uh, yes, that's, this is an ongoing uh, topic for us, um, definitely. But we, we are very, we like to approach people that are in the same category as us. Like there are a lot of land invest, investors out there that are in the same situation that, as we, we were, basically paying high tax bill. And we, we first started reaching out to them to present this uh, investment idea and see if they would be interested in. Um, and of course, the W2 worker mm-hmm. that is grinding it out and, you know, they, they want to do something with their retirement. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we are, um, I would say novices, right? So we just started looking at multifamily last year. Uh, I would say within the last two months, we've kind of heavily started stepping into the capital raising aspect of things. And like Lydia said, uh, it's easier, at least from our perspective, to um, develop these uh, stories and appeals to things that we have some experience in. And so, yeah, exactly that. I mean, the people that are in a nine to five job, that maybe either want out or they want alternatives uh, to look at their investments. Mm-hmm. 
uh, as well as, um, you know, there are hundreds, if not thousands of other people that have similar land businesses that we do. And so, you know, they, they have a similar story. They're, they're making money. They have some, some cash to deploy. They have, uh, potentially self-directed retirement accounts that uh, are looking for things to do with that money uh, and, and offset tax bills. So, yeah, those are our initial two kind of avatars that we're going after. And um, uh, we'll be building it out from there. But th th those are kind of the easy yeah. ones to step into <laughs> first. Those are the easy ones just because for us, it's so close to home. Like we were we were working so hard when we were in corporate. We had corporate jobs and from nine to five. And then you have you have to squeeze in your vacation if you could take some days off uh, once a year and it was just like it was not a good lifestyle that we wanted and we we so appreciate the flexibility and that passive income gives you and i think we when we talk from that perspective i think that there are people out there that could resonate with that yeah there's an authenticity that comes across as well right when you're, you're speaking with something right. that, that's uh, from your background yeah for sure and to kind of go into how you two diversify your roles as a couple, are you guys like each focusing on certain aspects of the business? Yes, for sure. <laughs> Mike is really good in underwriting deals uh, in multifamily. I am still learning. Um, I do not like that aspect because I don't, I do not, I'm not good with numbers. <laughs> I wish I was. So Mike is focusing on that. Uh, I am more involved in our land business um, to keep that whole bullet like that ball rolling there you go. um and yeah we we um it can always be a tricky thing to do business with your with your life partner <laughs> it can be so when we started our land business uh about three years ago um we kind of found our natural um aptitudes mm -hmm. so you know i come from uh kind of executive leadership positions, um, a lot more uh, directing of uh, things, doing business strategy, looking at steering the business. Um, Lydia has a, a very strong um, administrative background, so she's very task-oriented, very uh, a go-getter, um, is able to map out uh, the network of contacts in a certain industry and kind of know who the go-to people are. And so we kind of found this natural um nesting of of uh the way to segment our business and then over the years um we have uh certainly out of necessity in a lot of cases just divided up uh certain aspects of the business so you know our land business similar to multifamily there's a deal flow right you're 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 looking for deals you're out meeting with people you're closing then you're marketing and selling or, or capital raising or whatever and so you know, we divide up some of those process tasks as it makes sense. I would say from our multifamily journey, we do a lot of things together just because um, there's a big growth and learning aspect to it. And so, you know, we, we do uh, sacrifice, I would say. It's not really sacrifice, but, you know, we overlook some efficiencies that we could get from uh, a clear separation um, just because we both want to learn the business and, and we're kind of in there. But we still do, out of necessity, have, um, you know, some task lodges quick to jump on a phone call with people, whether it's a broker or a potential seller or uh, somebody that we want to network with. Um, yeah, I'm happy to do some underwriting. I'm happy to do a lot of communications, uh, create campaigns, things like that. So it's 
Um, it's pretty natural, and I, I would say, you know, we we both do a really good job in life and in business of supporting one another, and so um, there's no uh, competition or territorialism or things like that. I mean, we're happy to kind of weave in and out of each other's uh, business and in and, and that way. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a perfect marriage yeah. in both senses. <laughs> awesome. And kind of go into that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. To go into that, like um, your partnership, you mentioned how important it is to like have uh, two people that support each other. Do you mind going into how, like how that's helped you guys? Because I, I'm sure there's not all couples are working together. Like what are some barriers you guys have to overcome and then how did you guys pretty much synchronize and what things you guys have to keep in mind as you move forward in the business that you guys have to pretty much agree on? I would say, you know, at the foundational level, just as people, right, we we fell in love with one another. Uh, We decided to get married. Um, And so there's already this kind of a, a foundation of love, respect and support. Uh, that, that, that everything built off of. Um, <laughs> we genuinely like one another, which I would hope most people that are in a marriage or in a, a partnership situation do. But, you know, I could see how, you know, in some cases that may not be the case. And some people, um, th- there are personalities, I would say, that, um, that do better with, uh, spending, a, you guys are twins. All right. So, I mean, Lydia and I literally spend probably easily 24 hours out of almost every day together, right? We work together, we play together, we live together. Um, you know, one of us will go to the grocery store every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I'll go for a run. And so there are times when we're apart, but 90% of our life is together. Yeah. And our personalities are just such that it meshes. I mean, we're, we're, um, uh, neither one of us get very defensive, uh, about things. Um, and so there's just an openness there, uh, that, that really makes things very natural and it's, it's a blessing. And I would say, you know, if there are barriers or boundaries, it's really maybe, um, only in the workspace in terms of time, like, you know, Every once in a while, you'll get kind of deeply focused in a task and you'll just need your your bubble to work in. Um, well, it's easy when it's a very casual environment just to kind of right. barge in and ask a question or do something. And um, it's really just a matter of maintaining the respect and saying, oh, hey, I need a few minutes here to finish up something. I'll, I'll get back to you or, you know, just to not take offense um, and, and just to be. Uh, I think we're both pretty secure in expressing a feeling or an opinion or something without any of that. And so, yeah, that's helped foster both the business and the personal relationship. That's something that I think you guys are very, very like blessed to have just because with my brothers, I can relate. Um, we can pretty much keep each other accountable and not really think that we're stepping on each other's toes or going to offend each other. I can kind of say what I want. Obviously, I'm not going to be like a, a douchebag, but I'm going to try to just let them know, you know, like you have to do this, you have to do that. And they know that I'm coming right. from a good place. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, to kind of go into yeah, your future goals. Yeah. I, I think you hit on a great point there about the motivation, right? If you're coming from a place of uh, support and love and concern, mm-hmm. it's easy, right? If, if you're being a douchebag, then yeah, you're going you're gonna to get treated like one. <laughs> and you know, one of the things that has helped us is like, you know, there's so much, so many pre- preconceived ideas about 
you know, some people say, oh, yeah, if a couple, if they spend too much time together, something is wrong, or that's not healthy, or that. If they don't. Or if they don't, don't, or like, I think, I think for every couple, uh, it's not the same recipe for everybody, and for us, it's been working great. Uh, that we spend, we work together and we spend time together. And uh, as Mike said, you know, I I don't have a problem. You know, some 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 woman would say I could never work for my husband. God forbid, you know. <laughs> but I just don't have. I never. It doesn't even cross my mind. And I'm not saying in a boasting manner. It's just it's just very natural for me to like to work for for with my husband and for my husband. And I, I just it just comes very natural. So I, we feel very blessed. We work for a common cause, right? Yeah. We're we're in this yeah. together, and man, if we can do this yeah. and live the life that we want to live, being able to go, like you know, we'll just take up one day, we'll go for a hike, and we'll say, hey, let's go do this or something, yeah. and we'll work on a weekend or, or whatever. I mean, it's it's invaluable, really, and and we since we're both in that and we have uh, a strong shared vision of where we want to go, then uh, it makes the rest of this so easy. Yes. Just to, and now that another motivation that we have is like, uh, I never want to go back to a nine to five job. So <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I gotta make this work for a long time because we love our yeah. lifestyle so much that going back to a nine to five is, it sounds unthinkable. It's unthinkable. Yeah. I want to ask a question. Um, were you guys, did you guys have your nine to five while you were raising your children? Or did you guys have children? Yeah, we have two older daughters. Oh, yeah, um, you mentioned that. So, sorry. They're, uh, yeah, so the, 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 our girls are, uh, mine from a previous marriage. And so, uh, they are 24 and 21 right now. And I guess when we moved back to the U.S., you know, they were teenagers. And so there were a few years, um, where, yeah, we had, uh, nine to five jobs, both of us, and then parental responsibilities. And, um, yeah, it just, uh, time, you know, is, is non-existent really. I mean, you know, you grab a few hours, uh, in the evening and, and hopefully some on the weekends, uh, and, and, and those kind of things. And so, yeah, I mean, that was really a big impetus for us to, uh, chart our own course. And, and, you know, we, we wanted to come to Colorado because we love the nature and outdoors and mountains and we wanted to do it while we were young enough to get out and enjoy it fully, you know, so, um, it was a, it was a big motivator. Yeah. And do you mind kind of just touching on what real estate is for you guys? You said that I uh, just kind of continue living the lifestyle that you have. And a lot of people that do have that nine to five, and that's kind of exactly why my brothers and I got into real estate and became entrepreneurs um, as soon as we want, as soon as we could, because we really just couldn't see ourselves working behind a desk um, any, any time at all. And luckily we've actually never had to. So um, I don't think I'll ever go that route. And I'm glad that we kind of caught on, but do you kind of mind just going into what it's provided to you guys. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like we don't work, right? So, uh, it's work, but it's work, it's work for yourself. Um, which actually, you know, this was a bit of a transition for us, right? When you leave a nine to five job, you're used to having a boss. You're, you have some amount of, uh, of freedom, but you're working within the boundaries of a company and a manager and, uh, certain tasks and there's certain expectations out there and your income, unless you're, in sales or some kind of a commission type job, right? Your income is very much bound by someone else's um, uh, attitude about your performance or, or different things like that. And so, you know, in transitioning to being our own boss, there is that element of, okay, 
now I'm in charge and I have to decide when I'm going to work, how much I'm going to work, uh, how effectively I'm going to work, what's my strategy, um, you know, in order to be uh, effective. And so, you know, that was, um, I won't say a total shock to us, but it certainly was a different mindset to get into, to kind of working a, pro- a, a business from, from end to end. And so, you know, that, that, uh, that just gets to the, you know, in starting your own business, it takes work. And so we put in hours, especially in the early days, I would say our land business is very mature. And so we have a lot of systems in place that help us, but, you know, really what we enjoy the most is, uh, being able to get up in the morning without an alarm clock, uh, we will sit in the living room and uh, Lidgy's a coffee drinker. I drink hot tea. So we'll just sit. We'll catch up with each other. Um, it's, it's a very gentle start to the morning. Uh, if we want to exercise or do something like that. And then, you know, we, we, we have a, a hard start time in the morning that we, we come together. We try to meet for five or 10 minutes. And um, each week, uh, we kind of work on a quarterly. Um, there, there's a good book, and I can't remember. I think it's called the 12 week year. And um, it's kind of instead of working your business on a year concept, it puts it in a quarter. And so, you know, it's a lot more more tangible. But, you know, we'll set quarterly targets. And then each week we'll kind of see where where do we stand in regards to those targets. And then each day we'll set up each day and we'll kind of say, OK, what what are the key tasks and actions we need to accomplish today to keep moving forward? Uh, and kind of divide things up. But, you know, we set that tone. And so really real estate in particular has given us that ability to define our own work day. Um, like I said, if um, last week, actually, I had a buddy um, of mine from Dallas. He was in Crested Butte for the week with his wife. And he said, hey, why don't you guys come out and ski with us for a couple of days? So we cleared our calendars. Uh, we went out for a couple of days and, and had some fun. And then we came back and we just doubled down on the stuff we needed to get done. And so, you know, we, we didn't have to put in a paid time off request and get the uh, manager's approval or not and, and those kind of things. Um, we travel to visit our family. You know, we'll go visit Ligia's family in Romania and we'll stay for three or four weeks. Um, we're able to work remotely. Right. Um, my family's in Dallas, so we'll go, uh, we were just there last month and we stayed, uh, 10 days or something and we're able to just, you know, have good quality visits, but still get work done. Yeah. I would say two things for me, like the ability to work from anywhere remotely, that flexibility of schedule, it's so priceless to me. Um, and then another thing that I would add, I don't know how Mike feels, but we're always challenged to to learn new things like it's never boring mm. this is uh, when we, we bought, i mean i was mike was working in logistics and uh i was working with a healthcare company when we didn't we were not real estate uh, professionals and experienced people but the fact that we we wanted to start this business and learn new things uh has kept it very fresh and very challenging in a very good way so it's, it's really not a boring task. You know, I felt like when I was working uh, on beside, behind behind the desk in a cubicle, I felt like I'm not growing as a person at all. Like I'm just doing tasks and I'm learning nothing really. So it's been... Um, that, is, that is, yeah. I mean, uh, from seminars to training to just learning all the all the processes of a business from 
HR to sales to marketing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's no no shortage of areas there you can learn. I think as as you know, natural born. I mean, as an as an entrepreneur, the day you aren't growing is like I feel like it's the worst day, you know. And as someone yeah. who, like you said, you guys both came from a corporate job. I mean, being in that cubicle must have been like that entrepreneur inside of you must have been eating alive, you know, eating you alive. So I understand like the same days for us, like the worst day for me as an entrepreneur is the day I feel like I'm not growing. And if I'm not learning something, I'd say that's why I like it so much. Cause I get to get up and like, it's all up to me and it's in my control. So I definitely do agree with that. And something that we've noticed is that um, days that we're, we're feeling like we're afraid and I'm, I'm just taking the leap forward. I'm not, I don't feel like calling this broker um, that, that I just lean into it. And we've learned to just, just get used to that because the, that's where we get the most growth. And that's where we learn the most. Um, through like even if we fail, you know, we just take the lesson and move on. Um, so I think that yeah, that's something that all of all these things can relate to. Yeah. And one of the things that we both say all the time is like we wish we started earlier. Yeah. So we're really jealous. <laughs> yeah, good on, good on you. I know. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So uh, the next phase of the show, we like to go into an express round. Um, I can so you guys can tailor it towards business or uh, personal life. It's just like five simple questions regarding some general topics, but it's nothing crazy. Um, so we can go ahead and get started if you, guys are, if you guys are ready. Let's do it. Awesome. So what is the biggest mistake you've ever made in real estate and what did it teach you? Hmm. Um, I would say the biggest ma- mistake I made personally in real estate was that um, I wasn't doing the due diligence properly. Uh, there was a particular property, vacant land, and uh, the seller sold the same yeah, property to two yeah. different companies and I didn't do the, my due diligence properly. So I just got a note, you know, we pay them and I got a notification from the assessor's uh, office that this property doesn't belong to you because uh, it was sold four days prior to another to another company. So, and I, you know, we ca- at the end of the day, it was all good because the the wife of the seller felt really bad. And we had already paid the yes. the seller for the property. So she she returned the money. So in that way, it wasn't necessarily like it was all good, and she paid us back in you know, installments throughout the year. But uh, it's like that was not a great due diligence from my end. <laughs> I learned my lesson. All right. It was not a big mistake, but it was like a five thousand dollar mistake. Yeah, yeah, definitely, oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely not a free one. <laughs> I just yeah. never thought that people could do that, so it just something no, yeah. I was exposed, and then since then, I, I became really good in doing my own due diligence. Awesome. So to kind of go into our second question, so what is your favorite book, and if you have one that you like to tailor to your personal life and business uh, book, that'd be great. Or if you just have one, don't feel pressured to do both. Yeah, the the one that comes to mind for me is, uh, I would say, I think last year I read a, a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck, uh, which um, really fundamentally changed a lot of the ways I, I think. And so the you know the basic concept is uh, a lot of people have a fixed mindset that we think intelligence is fixed or uh, learning or growth. And um, while on the surface that's an easy thing to to agree with, but she kind of chronicles through how many things in society and in our personal life that we get conditioned to think are, are fixed commodities. And um, if you really uh, adopt a growth mindset, uh, things things open up. And that applies both in personal and business for me. It's, it's really changed some of my core values, whereas I used to, uh, I was raised um, 
as an achiever. And so as such, I really feared failure quite a lot, like, you know, bad grades, uh, making a misstep, doing whatever. And these were my own projections largely, but, you know, I was, I was kind of conditioned that. Whereas now I, I have built a practice of trying, just like you said a minute ago, trying to um, embrace uh, feedback very quickly. Uh, don't see something as failure, but see it as learning and growth and just kind of learn from it and move on. But yeah, it was a, a fantastic book. You got one? I'm reading a book right now. I think this has the, the, the potential to be the best so mm. far. It's Braving the Wilderness uh, by Brenna Brown. And she talks about really like, she redefines what true belonging means. And it's, um, there's so many things in the book that I can apply, especially being part of a big group, like, you know, trying to fit in and trying to, but in the same time, running my race and going my pace and not feeling like I want to learn from people that are ahead of me. And I want to use that to, to be competitive in a way that I want to be pushed forward, but I don't want to be intimidated and also just be myself. So it's, it's a great book. I haven't heard of that one, but um, I definitely, definitely something I go. I like books that you can apply stuff. That's something that I've kind of like noticed with all the entrepreneur books. Like you can immediately apply them and compared to my like, not to throw shade on college, but a lot of the information I was learning there, you couldn't really apply immediately. It was more so like mm-hmm. down the road if you kind of join that specific field. Um, but to kind of go into our, our third question, do you have a best piece of advice that you've received or maybe a piece of advice that you would give someone? Yeah, for me, uh, again, it kind of circles a little bit back to mindset, but it's, um, I think it's a, it's more of a concept or it can be seen as advice, but like, you know, the world we live in, at least from my perspective, there, there really is no absolute relative truth, right? It's all about how we perceive things. So I see things through my eyes and, and my ears and, and my senses and, and legit, you know, we're, we're both in the same event right here and she's internalizing things maybe completely different than I'm internalizing things. And as such, you know, I think it's really powerful that the sooner you learn that and you learn that you control this perception right here, I think the the better you can, you can come across. And instead of being more reactive to the world as it comes to you, you can be a lot more proactive and defining how do I want this experience to be? Or what do I want to take away out of this? Um, uh, and, uh, a lot less fear of other people's opinion type of mentality and, and really just being in control of your own uh, psyche. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, to go into the fourth question, uh, do you guys have a daily habit that you guys would accredit some of your success to? You kind of touched on it about um, you know, meeting and, and scheduling. So you can expand on that if you'd like. Yeah, I would, I would say from a personal level, um, you know, we both, we, we don't do it uh, every day, but um, we try to do a little bit of uh, personal development every morning. Um, you know, just reading her book, I have mine. Uh, we spend at least five or 10 minutes just, just kind of reading uh, a book. And to your point, um, I'm someone that can get caught up in, in being a consumer of like, you know, sometimes it's like, how many books have I read? Uh, all this stuff. And, uh, I find it's a lot better when I slow it down and start applying a lot of this stuff, right? So if I just read a few pages a day, then I figure out how am I going to apply this? That's kind of a personal level thing. And then in business, yeah, I mean, we make sure that we start each day intentionally, uh, where we say, okay, what do we need to get done today? Whether it's one thing or four things 
that's going to drive our business forward. Um, you know, what are the most important things? Because, you know, we've got a hundred actions and tasks and all this stuff on our plate. And it's, it's how do you filter through that and find the, the really important ones and, and hit those early. We'll get those, get those, uh, out of the way. Now I add also that we, we have, um, we are, we used to, and we, we need to get back into it more regularly, but we used to meditate and journal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's very, very powerful. And sometimes I wake up, uh, for instance, full of anxiety of things that I need to do this, this particular day. And I feel like it's so important to center myself and calm myself down and really, um, think about how do I want to act that particular day and really, um, Keely Hubbard has a great uh, tip. It's like audit what happens between your ears and find out what's really going on. And, you know, I don't want to be myself and go step into my day full of anxiety. I want to center myself and, and calm down and really see what's going on. So many times I think that's, that helps a lot um, my journey throughout the day. Yeah, that's something that keeps coming up with a lot of our guests is meditation and journaling. And it's something that we've started to do ourselves, and it's definitely paying off. Like, you can see the results. You kind of just enter your day with a different type of energy. So I definitely agree. It gives you all about perspective, yeah. right? So if you can kind of pull it up and, and, and remember what's important in life, and uh, it, uh, it definitely gives you a better perspective and makes you a little calmer throughout the day. Right. And so my last question, what is the best way for people in our audience that want to get in touch with you to reach out, to reach out on or to you guys? Yeah, so... Um, our our business site is Deaton Equity Partners, and it's Mike uh, at Deaton Equity Partners or Ledger at Deaton Equity Partners uh, in terms of email. Um, we're on social at Deaton Equity Partners, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, uh, all those places. So it's probably the best. And uh, yeah, we'd love to connect to, to any and all. I mean, it's all about the, the power of a network and, and a team and, and things like that. So. Look to it. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, really do appreciate your time, Mike and Lydia. Yeah. Um, Lydia, we appreciate it. And, you know, we definitely look forward to seeing it. Yeah, thank you guys for coming on. Thank you for listening to the Real Life Monopoly podcast with the Donis Brothers. If you want to learn more about what we do, make sure to visit our website, www.donisinvestmentgroup.com. And if you aren't already, make sure to follow us on all platforms at Donis Brothers. Let's be great today. Have a good one.